guess. Max, I, I get. I gotta say one thing about Godzilla. I haven't. I haven't finished it yet. I started mm-hmm. it yesterday, and I listened like I've listened to like a third of it or something like that. Um, at some point, you 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 bring up um, the Jake Gyllenhaal uh, weather disaster movie. Yeah. Um, first of all, it is the day after tomorrow. Yeah. You got the name wrong. Uh, okay. And you called it the day before tomorrow, which, in case you were wondering, would just be today. <laughs> That's true. The day before tomorrow is is today. It's right now. So way to go, Max. What an idiot. <laughs> <Big> idiot. <laughs> Burn. Yeah, I guess you, you guys are dummy. wondering. This is what Bill's childhood was like. <laughs> <laughs> you know all these small mistakes you made. We're gonna talk about them over dinner. <laughs> You've really been holding on to this for a couple days, haven't you? Yeah, that's what I do. That's what I bring to the table, John. Jesus, <laughs> son of a bitch. Well, you are a man of science, so I understand. <laughs> That's why when I finally joined the podcast 15 episodes in, the first thing that I did was complain about Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) Bill is just playing the character. It's a stegosaurus. It's not a stegosaurus. It's a rhinoceros. Jesus, Max. Not even close again. A rhinoceros. That's not even a dinosaur. Oh, yeah. Rhino's an animal. That's a real thing. You you called it a triceratops. It was a triceratops. Triceratops. Bill, I'm really hungover, okay? Come with some slack. Oh, so good. <laughs> Hello, and you're listening to Hold My Popcorn, where we make fun of the good movies and trash the bad ones. I'm Max Healy out in Nashville, and in Boston, we have Timmy Slim Jim. Tim Begin, how you doing, buddy? Um, Guten Tag, Max. Ooh, doing well. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a good movie. Derek's going to be up in Boston this week, so I'm preparing myself for that fucking shit storm of terribleness, and uh, yeah, excited. Excellent. And in Portland, Maine, we're welcoming back Digger Bill Dooley. How you doing, buddy? Digger. Oh boy. All Digger. Right. Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing well. Thanks, Max. I'm. Okay. Uh, I'm sitting here enjoying a nice, cheap Canadian lager. Uh, and happy. That a Molson. Still... No, uh, Moosehead. Moosehead. It Ooh. is five ninety nine for uh, a six pack. So it's a well. It's a. It's a large. Those big cans, four pack. But yeah. It, same volume as a six pack for sure. for a six whole dollars. Um, and, uh, I'm just happy that I'm still going to be a full two states away from Derek when he comes up to Massachusetts. <laughs> just still hear him. <laughs> Hi, Probably man. true. And we also have John Loveshack and a shack over in Davis, California. Any luck with that smoker, John? Uh, haven't, haven't geared it up yet. I don't have anybody out here for emotional support, um, to do this thing because as I've said, Californians don't take too kindly to clouds of smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, so I need somebody else here. And my wife abandoned me for Guatemala for three months. So here I am. It's me and a, a fucking cat and my wild turkey 101. Um, and I am sunburnt to shit. Like literally like Eekbin toaster strudel right now. <laughs> <laughs> toaster strudels are delicious. Bill, how does how does socialism taste in liquid form? <laughs> oh, it tastes it tastes real, real nice. It tastes, uh, you know, it's a it's a full, equal bodied taste. Uh, I love it. Uh, well distributed, if you will. Okay, I'm gonna have to try that out sometime. And the only thing I've had remotely close to to, to mooses, mises, is uh, something called moose drool. But that was from Montana, and that's about as unsocialist as you can get. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not the same thing. Definitely not the same that thing. Sounds disgusting. Yeah, what what the hell is moose drool? Who the fuck? It's a brown ale. It's oh. amazing. It's actually really, really? fucking good. I, I got into uh, into brown ales while I was thinking of the uh, whole thinking of, you know, when Max was like, we need to rename the podcast. And I was sitting at a brewery there trying yeah. all of their wonderful brown ales while I was at a logging expo. <laughs> wow. 
So, so Montana. Expo? Yeah, up in Northern California in Redding. It's like close to the border between uh, Oregon. And uh, I saw lots of hats that said, make logging great again. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm. So uh, I turned up my Southern accent and wore my fucking cowboy boots everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, we see you. We see your brother. Exactly. Like I had actually. So it's interesting. So Northern Californian conservatives will actually have a conversation with you about the state of the uh, of the union. Or they'll be like, well, Hillary Clinton was evil. And I'll be like, yeah, no, you're right. Um, but Trump is fucking you on tax cuts. And they're like, really? <laughs> well, talk talk to me more about that. Like, they'll actually ask as opposed to in Tennessee where it's just like, fucking get to hang it on the tree. Hang him. <laughs> <laughs> no, fuck that. So they're they're actually a little, they're not as intense. And I, and I appreciate that very much. So I thought I would like the liberals when I came out here. It turns out I hate them and I actually like the conservatives more, which doesn't make any sense. I'm starting to turn your way, dude. Every, like, all this, like, like super liberal shit. I'm starting to go, like, fucking Christ, can we all shut the fuck up? Well, yeah, it, it's, it's just... Always, it, it's always based on where you're from, though. I mean, if you're a liberal in a conservative place, you always got to be a little bit more flexible. If you're a conservative in a liberal place, you got to be a little more flexible. So they tend, so a conservative in California is going to be a little more willing to have a conversation where a liberal is just going to be like, no, you fucking believe me and agree with me or I'm going to throw you out of the state. Like, that's the yeah. way everyone is going to be. No, but I'm a liberal in a liberal state, and even me, I'm like, will you Tim, stop you are, your You fuck- are not a liberal. You are not a go. Come on, what, get a what job. Am I, what, how am I not? How am I not a liberal? I don't believe that for a second. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of Hold My Voter Card. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't voted for a Republican in my life. If that's what you mean, Bill. You know what? I I, I think that we have uh, a lot to say on this. Uh, I think that we can really share it as a group of four white straight men where we really have a a, a stronghold on this demographic right now. So (laughs) probably a road we we don't want to stray down. Yeah, I want to know what, Bill? We have the answers. (laughs) Yeah, Bill, I'm a middle class white man. I can go down any fucking road I want. If the cops pull me over, I can yell at them and they won't do anything. They'll just say, sir. (laughs) Lower your voice. Okay, well, uh, this week I guess we're going to be doing a Glorious Bastards. Um, after last week's... I guess. <laughs> yeah. After last week's Godzilla episode of the you know 52 minutes I was edited out due to all the horrific shit that Tim and Derek were saying about the Japanese Nazis and the Holocaust, we just decided we would uh, prevent that from happening again. So, in Glorious Bastards, it is. <laughs> I'd like to go on the record by saying everything I said about the Japanese was well deserved. <laughs> Especially right, things that were edited out. out. <laughs> Off to a strong start. That's right. All right. Well, but um, you know, in all seriousness, though, uh, with Tarantino's new movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood now in theaters, we figured this would be a perfect time to watch and discuss the first revisionist history film that he did. From 2009, written and directed, of course, by Quentin Tarantino, and starring Brad Pitt, Christoph Waltz, Eli Roth, uh, might fuck up these two names, Daniel Barul, yeah, uh, Maline Laurent, and also starring Mike, Michael Fassbender, uh, which he will not be discussed really on this episode, because we're only going to be covering chapters 1, 2, and 3 today, uh, which is a little more than the first hour of this movie, and then we'll pick up uh, next week on the second half of the film, as well as some trivia and questions so we can just really dig into this uh, first uh, part of this movie here. So, with all that said, let me ask you guys, do you remember the first time you saw this movie? And if so, what did you think of it? 
I can't I remember. Saw it with, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Well, I was just going to say, I saw it with you, um, mm-hmm. and we were... Uh, Bleep. That's all I remember. <laughs> and we applauded at the end. Out. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't remember, you know, like, uh, there are some movies that I can't have that specific reaction to like that. I remember that first, that first time seeing it or something. I don't have that kind of memory with this one. Uh, but I, I do remember watching it in college and, and just loving it. Um, mm. I, I can't, I can't specifically remember, uh, you know, when that was, but it, I mean, Obviously, uh, you know, as like a 20 or 19 year old guy, whatever I was at that time when it came out, uh, this was right in my wheelhouse. So mm-hmm. good, good, solid movie. What about you, Tim? Uh, I saw it. Um, yeah, we, I got a pirated version in college and watched you it bastard. then. Yeah, a very college scene. And I remember feeling a very sincere pride of, for being American, that we would just send a mercenary team over there to kill Nazis. I loved it. I know. I know. It was, I know it's fictional, but you know, a man can dream. <laughs> As John kind of mentioned, we both saw this together with like a group of, I think, twelve other people in a packed theater in Knoxville, not far away from where Tarantino lived as a little kid. So, this is probably one of the most enjoyable movie experiences I've ever had in a theater. I mean, it was just rocking the whole time. People just yelling and clapping, and just it was awesome. All right. Well, let's get into it. The chapter one, which begins in Nazi-occupied France in 1941. And uh, two fun facts. Hey, Max, Max, sorry, yeah. can I interrupt you for a second? No. Uh, is any is it is it my internet, or <laughs> I'm getting a ton of breakup right now. Is anybody else having that same issue, or is it just me? I'm going to stop the recording. I'm going to just, I'll end the call and then call you guys back in. It might just be a connection. It's been thunderstorming here today. Oh, that's your excuse. <laughs> mm. <laughs> It could also be that the pigeons just aren't carrying the data quickly enough up in Maine. I don't think there's a... They haven't really figured out the whole electronics thing up there. I heard pigeons, so I think you're probably making fun of me. I I agree. (laughs) (laughs) An astute observation, Bill. Several minutes later. I gotta I gotta I gotta break in here real quick. I fell off the call for less than five <laughs> seconds. Yeah. And I come back and Tim is mid-conversation talking about the length of his penis and you guys go right into puke. How did that happen? It, How did that happen? How so did it fast? not happen? Okay, well let's get into it with chapter one, which begins in Nazi occupied France in nineteen forty one. And uh, just two fun facts right up front. The Inglorious Bastards title card is Tarantino's own handwriting. And then uh, Once Upon a Time in Nazi-Occupied France was the original title of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad glad they changed the title. That's a bad title. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Movie opens up with French Levi, or yes, the French Levi Schruber cutting wood when Hans Lando arrives and politely uh, requests a glass of milk, which he then just starts chugging. Okay, so let's talk about him chopping wood. He's just smacking the shit out of a stump. Yeah, I didn't really understand what was going on. And I I know the French, and it still doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) That was my explanation, is that he's French. (laughs) It's like, nothing makes sense there. They built a wall along their border and forgot that they can come in from the north. Uh, Yeah, and they cemented all of their guns one direction. Yeah, 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 that was uh, not good planning. They'll never go through the forest. They're the Nazis. They'll never never violate sovereign borders. (laughs) (laughs) You know, to, the, to the point that Hitler thought it was a trap. He's like, it can't be that easy. Oh, it is? 
Shit. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Wait, there's literally no one here? We're just, just going to let us into France? Damn. <laughs> wow. She's done this earlier. Line. I'm yeah. like, God. Yeah. Um, but that, I mean, and honestly, to be honest, it's just a, a comment on the French society. Even when they are working hard, they're not even producing anything. <laughs> they're just <laughs> working hard for nothing. Just keeping up appearances. Socialism. By the way, uh, John Renew, John Renew, our French friend from Godzilla, was offered the role, but he turned it down. I'm happy he did. I feel yeah. like we needed a relative no name for this because he did very well. He did He's very, great. very well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is John Renew so famous that it would have like thrown you off if you, if you saw him in that role? Yeah, because it would have been that situation where like he comes onto the screen. And you're like, oh, this fucking guy. You know, it's just like the last thing you wanted someone to think in their head when the movies just started. That's, I mean, I guess that's fair. I don't, th- I feel like I don't know him that well enough, but I mean, that, I, I guess that, that, that would happen to enough people where it makes sense. Yeah. I think it would have given him just a smile though, to a lot of the audience because it starts in France in France and it's like, oh, it's the most like well-known French actor to Americans. Like, huh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gerard Depardieu, Max? Was, this is 2009 though. Yeah. What the Gerard Depardieu, we, the most like, famous we, French actor. I don't even know who the fuck that is. Is he not the guy from what the artist? What are you talking about? <laughs> you guys don't know who Gerard Depardieu is. Okay. Okay, guys. <laughs> is this is this going to be Lethal Weapon? I got a feeling it is. <laughs> no, I, I actually... I just know Gerard Depardieu is a famous fat person from France. And he's, <laughs> he's an actor, so... That's, that's all I know about him. I figured... I thought he was like a, a, a well-known cultur- cultural touchstone, but apparently I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we are culture, so you are wrong, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. For white men, we are culture. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess those two actors, like, they, like, so he was definitely going for a similar face because both, uh, well, I've already forgotten the names, but let's just say both the two French guys we were talking about for this role, they both had very sad, long faces, you know, yeah. and very, ex- very expressive, sad kind of eyes. Fish-eyed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they look good sweaty. Um, I have to say he pulled the sweat look off very well. I think he was yeah. just looking for the tough guy, like the tough, you know, you don't think of the French as just a bunch of burly men. So let's find somebody who people do think of as like a burly, tough French guy and then just watch him just start crying and get just his entire life ruined. Yeah. And the French actually have no emotion. They're all robots. <laughs> but just wine and cheese eating robots. <laughs> I'm serious, man. Those motherfuckers don't smile. Don't nothing. They just mm. they don't smile. They argue for the fun of it. Yeah, they really don't. Yeah, I was over there. I'm like, these motherfuckers are just stone faced all the time. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And they like they argue for the sport of it. Mm. Oh, I'm, I'm very, I'm very. I feel like you're <laughs> describing me, and I am insulted. I, I didn't want to say anything, but yeah. So basically, it's just like, yeah, you're literally wrestling with a pig in the mud, and it loves it every second of it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think. Anyways, so just so, the Nazis. Yes. So just watching this movie in a critical eye and not just sitting back made me think that Londa is like a cat playing with his prey before killing it. Because he already knows that Dreyfuses are under the house, but he still goes through the whole process just so he can either get the satisfaction of watching this poor guy crumble or he's just using it as practice just to stay sharp and he can just keep on reading people's minds and know when they're lying. Oh, yeah, he's clearly having a ball. I mean, he enjoys what he does. He definitely enjoys what he does. Um, You know, being able to switch between languages just for the hell of it and knowing that they probably don't speak it, which was very quite artful. 
Um, that's <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, I don't know that the switching to English was just for the hell of it. I think that was very, very intentional. And, uh, I mean, like, diabolical, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was that was a real good move. You know, I can just I just have a lot of appreciation for anyone that just enjoys a good glass of milk. I mean, <laughs> to me, I knew, I knew that was going to be Bill's comment. <laughs> what? There has wrong to be a story this. behind this. <laughs> Bill's nodding his head. He's like, nothing wrong so far. <laughs> Do you come from a dairy farmer family? What the fuck? <laughs> Where people are expecting you to talk about milk? <laughs> I just. I was happy when he when he declined the wine and asked for the milk. You're at a dairy farm, of course you're gonna have milk. Good, good choice. And it was it's it looked terrific. A good whole milk. You know, none of that two percent or skim water bullshit. No, that was a good milk. Uh, like that, hypothetically, that, let's say here, let's say you switch, uh, switch bodies with Hans Lander. Not a oh boy. not a stretch because of, you know who you are. Um, and you, uh, you walk, no offense, Bill. You, <laughs> you walk in and ask for a glass of milk, and they go, oh, "Monsieur, uh, so sorry, we only have a one percent of milk." <laughs> what? You, what's your reaction? Well, I mean, if we are to, like Max said, assume that I already knew that the the other family was in the floorboards, I just just have my guys come in and just shoot everyone. I mean, what the fuck is the point of a dairy farm that has one percent milk? That That's is a, bullshit. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And there's no point for the fun and games after that. You know, it, he got a second glass. If you didn't notice, if the first one doesn't even come there, what's the point of the conversation in between? I want to yeah. go so far to say that Bill walks in and says, "Fuck the whole milk. Give me a glass of buttermilk." <laughs> I, w- I want that thing to be thick. <laughs> Have the woman folk go out and get me some warm milk right from the teat. I want to <laughs> chew it. Yeah. So two points. There wasn't a cow in the frame for miles. So yeah. I, I don't know why they decided to throw that in there. They're dairy farmers. So, okay. No cows. Second thing, that milk must have been boiling hot because there was no electricity in this house and it was just <laughs> sitting in a cupboard. Yeah, delicious. I, I can't. Like, I love milk, Bill. I love it so much. Like, I had a huge glass of it last night, but if it is warm, uh, I start, like, picturing, like, you know, little odd hairs that are on the udder, you know? Like, like, just, like <laughs> you're speaking my language, John. I'm I just, and I'm uh, I'm you just kind of, you just want to pluck it off. Just pluck it off. Bill's like, fuck Ooh. this moose head. Give me that milk. <laughs> I want some of that titty drizzle. Mm. <laughs> okay, so what do you think the milk is like in the movie though? Because it's such a like, I feel like it's what it is. It's like if you walk into someone's house and they, especially a French house, and they offer you wine, and you're like, no, I want room temperature milk. <laughs> like that's the sign of a psychopath. It's a Nazi, no clearly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is. So he, the French he is the SS. So. No, knowing the French and living in a French household for a few months, as I did, um, they would have there would have been a sly comment there. Been like, I don't want wine. I'd like milk, and they would uh, they would give you shit immediately. Like they would literally turn into, what do you what do you mean you don't want fucking wine? You want what? Like they would just give you shit. It wouldn't be a yes no because we can see like later in the movie with the uh, the lady who owns the movie theater, like a Nazi's talking to her and she's just dissing them left and right. They don't give a fuck. Uh, all right, so I do have something to, to comment about this specifically, <laughs> though. Uh, so I, I will not, by any means, claim to have noticed this on my own. But I saw I saw recently on the internet before we 
uh, before it was recommended that we were going to watch this, that in that scene, when uh, the, the guy tells uh, one of his daughters to get the wine and she goes to get it, Han stops her by, like, by grabbing her by the arm. Mm-hmm. And if you if you look, he's holding her like right at the wrist. Yep. And the uh, suggestion is that he's like taking her pulse basically while he's telling Ooh. her to go get the milk. Whoa! Oh, damn. Oh, that doesn't. That's that would be ballsy right. as fuck. Damn. And if you like, if yeah. you watch it with that like understanding or that thought process, it definitely, definitely looks like it. Like he doesn't grab her with, like with his full arms. He grabs her with just like the thumb and pointer and middle finger. Wow. And it's the th- uh, pointer and middle finger right on right on the wrist, and that's it. I'm gonna start doing this to people I know. <laughs> <laughs> so Wanda, he has his rad analogy speech, which at first is delivered with smiles, but once he takes out that outrageous pipe of you know his face starts to transform, and the beast comes out before he brings the stormtroopers in to murder this poor family. Yeah, that was one of the best scenes in the entire movie where he just goes dark side. It's every muscle in his face just goes evil. The full buildup in that scene was was phenomenal. Yeah. The tension that they built was is like that's the most tense movie scene ever made, I think. It's an amazing opening. Oh, and scene. like the the use of the music too was Yeah. Yeah, perfect because there was a point where, you know, it was at the point where it was starting to turn dark and like it was so quiet. I was like I was kind of questioning myself whether I was hearing it. And then it got just enough louder. Where I was like, it's definitely there. Like I was starting to genuinely wonder if there was something wrong with my TV. And it just it it built so gradually mm-hmm. and so like so slowly into a point like, you know, when the girls running across the field that it's like blaring yeah. really loud. Yeah, uh, it escalates just like the whole scene. Oh man, yeah, it, like you know, you you have that happen. You know, he's not the first person to do it, but the the like the time scale that that happened, how slowly it built, was was really powerful stuff. I noticed that too, and also just having the orchestra come on, it, you don't feel like you're in a Tarantino movie because there isn't any of that pulpy pop music from the '70s playing like they usually is in any of his movies. Like you feel like you're back in that that time era too. Sure. Yeah. 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 I, I genuinely felt bad for the farmer when they just fucked up his floorboard. I mean, just <laughs> shooting holes all through the floorboard while killing that family underneath. Man, that's going to take a lot of work, especially the way he chops wood. It's going to take forever to replace that. Also, those soldiers... That guy's never replacing it. Those soldiers are blind now. The, the sheer amount of wood chips going up into the air, they are all blind. <laughs> Hans yeah. is driving his own damn self back to base. Karma's a bitch. I, I told you guys to wear the safety glasses. <laughs> this is the last time. We shoot people through, people through slowboards all the time, and you can't even remember this. It's simple. Once every Nazi always says, safety first. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> safety first. So, you know how, like, at the end of some movies, like, or, like on the DVDs, when you still had DVDs, but, like, you have blooper reels, right? Where the director was like, oh, let's just make this funny, and we'll throw all the bloopers in in the back. I feel like... blooper reel. The what? <laughs> I'm just thinking about an inglorious bastard's blooper reel. <laughs> just like a blood spurt going the wrong direction into someone's eye. Ah, fuck! <laughs> yeah. But, Here we go but, again. But, like, you think about Tarantino, and Tarantino would be able to do this, where it's like, instead of a blooper reel, he could have scenes go completely other directions and then show it at the very end, just for the fuck of it. So, like, the so the Frenchman, he asked to get his pipe, and he has to go behind Hans Landa, 
to get his pipe. Like, that would have been the end of the movie. Like, if he was super hard, it would have been him, like, go over, get his pipe, pick up something heavy, and just blam, 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 just, like, take this motherfucker out. And then all of his cold-blooded daughters out back just start, like, just ripping dicks off and shit over by the cars. And it's all <laughs> over. Movie done. Boom. Like... <laughs> Go back in, have a nice tall warm glass of milk. Thin. Yeah. Mm. I um actually I thought that the first time I saw this movie, I I because I really didn't look too much into this. And I thought maybe this is gonna have some kind of like pulp fiction opening. You know, either like the daughters come in, like they smash the glass of milk over his head, start killing him, or you know, he takes out an axe from the fireplace. But no. It's more realistic, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. kind of just felt the fact that like from the minute he opened his mouth that like Christoph Waltz and that character was just like he is the puppet master and everyone else are the puppets like you knew that he was like the fucking guy in this movie well you know it, I mean and I definitely think that's true Tim um, but I, I think that I think that it kind of comes home a little bit more uh, I, I don't know about you guys I know we were only doing chapters one through three but I watched the full movie I, how I mean, dare you Bill I, I don't know how could you not? Um, but I think I think it comes uh, home more to how much he controls the situation uh, at the at the end when you know he knows certain mm-hmm. things um, and like he's still playing the same character and manipulating the people and like if you go back and think about this opening scene, like I I don't think that watching it the first time I would have assumed that he knew that the people were there. Uh, I think he just, you know, I, I probably would have watched it and been like, oh, he's, he's just good at what he does and like figured it out. Um, but once you get to the end scene, if you go back and watch it again, it's then like, all right, he fucking knows. He's just fucking playing the guy because that's what he that's what he does. Here's a fact for you, though. Apparently, um, Tarantino was actually going to scrap the movie because he couldn't find mm-hmm. the perfect actor to play the character. You know, who, you know who they originally wanted for the role? Who was it? DiCaprio. Oh, Jesus. Mel Gibson. Oh, oh what? God, I'm so happy it <laughs> wasn't DiCaprio. Uh, no, and Mel Gibson's too spot, like, just, just too on the nose. So you couldn't have him do it. <laughs> <laughs> he sort of walked in. I know you got shoes on the floor. The second, the, the second the door opens up and it's just Mel Gibson in an SS uniform, the whole audience would be like, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> they would have been like, Mel, that's not even your line. Mel's like, I'm just... Saying this is what I say to all people I know. I know you got Jews under the floorboards. No. <laughs> Mel, <laughs> you see him. Your character is supposed to be the the good Nazi who is like really with the bastards the whole time. What? <laughs> um, all Nazis are good. So another thing with us. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, oh, no, no. <laughs> all right, get him out of here. They killed Jesus. You know that, right? Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Oh, look at us with an ad read. Like all my popcorn? Well, do you, punk? If you do, and you like free stuff, then you need to check out the PodCoin app. It's the podcast payer... (laughs) It's the podcast player that pays. How does it pay, you may ask? Good question. First things first, get a cell phone, preferably an iPhone or Android. If you have one of those things, then you're already halfway there because the second hardest part of this is going to be going into the app store and downloading the PodCoin app, which isn't that hard. You make much harder decisions all the time. Like, should I stay in this passing lane if there's no one else around me and there's a cop behind me? You should probably stay in that lane to get a ticket. From there, you'll rack up PodCoin credits, which you can use to get free gift cards from places like Starbucks and Target. I use a PodCoin app all the time. I actually do because I like free stuff and so should you. 
Just go to the PodCoin app and use the invite code POPCORN, as in hold my popcorn, the show that you're listening to right now, and get 300 PodCoin for just signing up. So go ahead, make their day, and go give the PodCoin app a try today. I'm going to say one thing too, and this is purely because I can't let an argument go Uh, (laughs) and you can feel free to cut this out uh, because I feel like we were at a bit of a transition point there, but the squirrel versus rat thing. I mean, it, look, I understand the point that he's making and I'm not going to disregard entirely what he's trying to say, but bullshit also just, I got to say bullshit because his argument was if you see a rat come through this door, right? Or if you see a squirrel come through this door right now, and then you see a rat come through the door, you know, like you're going to respond more violently or hatefully to the rat. Uh, no, absolutely not. Like if I see a rat in my house, fuck yeah, I want to kill it. If I see a squirrel in my house, fuck yes, I want to kill it. Neither of those things belong in my house. That is bullshit. <laughs> you know, like, and if I see them in a field, I don't give a shit about the rat. A rat belongs in a field. Go ahead, rat. Be a rat. I don't care. If I see a squirrel in a, in a field, I don't give a shit about that either. I, I disagree I mean, with that wholeheartedly. If you see a rat, you're going to be far more repulsed by the rat in the field than you are the squirrel. Why? Also, we Bill. we we know why you're going to be violent against the squirrel because you're in Maine and you eat squirrels. Yeah, that's just good food. Excuse <laughs> me, that was a rat. I mean, I don't really understand the difference in that sense either. <laughs> Uh, squirrels are wild cards. I, I think I might freak out even more if I saw a squirrel in the house because I know at least a rat, like they, they can only really move around on the floor. The squirrel can like jump to the couch, like up to like on the, <laughs> like they're, they're just all over the place. They could be up like up your shirt before you even notice it. Here's the thing that I, and this is along the lines with, uh, with Bill's comment here. I'm probably going to be more upset if I see a squirrel in the house. You want to know why? It's because like a rat in the house, it's like, okay, that's disgusting, but. I know what this rat's after. It's after, like, the garbage and the food. I see a squirrel in my house. There's only one thing that thing's after. It's going to slip my throat in my sleep. That's a murderous squirrel. It's going to steal my wife. Come. A squirrel. Yeah. yeah. Tim, that sounds like you the rhetoric I mean? of someone who's harboring fugitives at the state. <laughs> Nine. So that was just my point on the squirrels versus rat. That's a good point. That's good point, Bill. Yeah. Well, even the guy, he's like, that is a interesting observation. He says something like that. He's just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to think about that. Hmm. That's when this guy should have realized that nothing, nothing, none, no part of this was going to go well. <laughs> no. So, yeah, the scene ends with Shoshana running away from the house with Londa aiming his gun at her, but deciding not to fire at the last second, which in a weird way kind of seals his own fate four years later. Well, so what is the meaning of that whole scene and why did Londa not shoot? Well, obviously the pistol wasn't going to make it that far. She was already far, way yeah. too far after. But, like, why didn't they just go full, like, American South and, like, hey, pull the truck around the back and just, <laughs> woo, and just like, <laughs> peel off and just get her? Yeah, just cue the banjos. <laughs> Why? I I assumed it was for kind of the same reason that every once in a while the the bastards uh, let somebody go with a Nazi symbol on their forehead to kind of like spread the fear. Uh, that, uh, that was my assumption. But it's also it's like, yeah, the Nazis being like, oh, yeah, send a message like they don't already know. Let them know. <laughs> they're already occupying our country. Yeah. Yeah. There's other Jews in France going, you're kidding. That's what they're really? doing? Get out of town. Oh, shit. Oh, the Germans are bad. Right. <laughs> it's the Germans. I think it was just him playing God. Just, he, he gets uh, to choose who lives and who dies. Yeah, that's probably the most, the most reasonable take, I'd say. Wrong. What I said was correct. <laughs> that is the way it goes. <laughs> <laughs> 
We need to get you a buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> you all have the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> Run. Wow, Tim. Good topical reference there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 1998 coming at you. <laughs> okay, time for chapter two, which is Inglorious Bastards. Nice relief from the opening scene after watching this. So you're uh, introduced to Brad Pitt having his Patton-like speech as Lieutenant Eldo Rain, which I think is still Brad Pitt's best performance to date. I, I wholeheartedly do not agree. Him either. him and Snatch. Him and Snatch was his best performance that he's ever had. He's ever had. Hands down. Hmm. Okay. Because he actually gets the fucking accent. I mean, just being in Tennessee as long as I was, like, his accent is atrocious. Like, I, 50% yeah, I was, of the time. John, you don't have to be from Tennessee. That is my first note, is that that accent was awful. It was it was painfully bad like i i did not really enjoy brad pitt you when you said really? that they you were considering it? leonardo dicaprio uh i mean like i enjoyed the story and the, the i character. loved him and i, I, I didn't loved like him. Yeah, i didn't but. i didn't like brad pitt in his role at all i think it would have been much better with somebody else <laughs> mel gibson <laughs> mel gibson for example well no he would never work with jews um so but somebody <laughs> else. moving on it's a good point but Oh, the iron. And Tarantino does like having miscasts when he brings people in. So that would be like a very Tarantino-like move. Like a year removed from his DUI. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a minute. They're casting who as the guys leading the Chiefs? What? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's yeah. just his character that I like. But I, I thought that he was awesome in this. Like, he, I mean. No. I love, I, so love this, I love this character. Like, ma- accent aside, I love the character. I mean, this is... This is the thing, because this is what made, I, I love this uh, this scene so much, because, like, back in the fucking day, then, like, Americans and Russians, like, those are the toughest people on the fucking planet, you know what I mean? Like, Americans from the South, like, they're tough motherfuckers, right? Yeah. Like, these f- fruity Europeans weren't the tough ones, you know what I mean? But now we're all a bunch of fruits up here, you know what I mean? Like, oh, in America, we're all a bunch of nambies. <laughs> back then, you know, fucking... Back when we men were, like were the, men, right, Tim? Exactly, yeah, exactly. We were like the big throbbing dick of the fucking <laughs> the world, you know? So, interesting thing between Aldo and Hans is they mm. both almost complain about being brought off their mountain to come and, and they're do both something. sadistic. So they're literally, it's like the antithesis of one another, the entire movie where they're, you know, similar person, extremely brutal. One is obviously a little less polished and doesn't speak any other language besides English. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, they both actually complain about being brought off their mountain to go do something by their government, which was kind of cool. I like that. Yeah, when, like did, when did Aldo do, uh, mention that? I didn't. I didn't catch In that. The he first was scene. Like, well, you know, was like, they brought me down off my Smoky Mountains to go blah blah blah. Like, you know. Oh so, no, sorry, uh, sorry. The the German guy. I, I get oh, the wrong name. Um, he was like, well, this is why the Führer has brought me from my Alps in Austria to go oh, clean up the blah blah blah. To rule, yeah, to rule France. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't catch that. I, I also feel like the uh, the scalp portion of the monologue could have been pared down, where he's like, "You will get my scalps, or you will die trying." Like that. Was it, and then he just keeps going about how many scalps to need, which he already said. And I, mm. anyways, awesome scene. I loved it. I mean, I thought it was hilarious. It's just, I think, just the contrast between the last scene, which is just so soul crushing, to just the you know he's the comic relief of this movie. Tarantino had a scalping contest when they they actually had to like go through practice to learn how to scalp properly, and oh, Tarantino told all the actors that basically like whoever at the end of the day scalps the best, like the top three, you get a close up in the movie. Hmm. I presume they had some Indians to help them learn how to scalp. 
<laughs> well, I mean, that is the, the Apache approach, right? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Uh, I love it. Sustain method. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Um, but no, but like to, to Max's point, like the contrast, I feel like that was kind of like, I mean, at least in Americans' mind, that's like the contrast of World War II. It's just like pure evil versus like the sort of like the good old boys showing up to help and the rough just, and gr- rough and tough know. grizzly. Wow. Right. It's the dichotomy of the of yeah, World War II. I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's interesting. I really, I did not in any way view the, the, the bastards as the good guys. They were psychopaths in my mind that just happened to be on the right side. Well, I mean, a perfect example of that is, the German that they recruited that just went on that murderous spree. And then they were like, hey, this guy's pretty good at killing Germans. Like, let's let's recruit him. They're not good guys. They're just they're just thankfully for the right people. Well, you need a wolf to catch a wolf. Yeah. yeah. Fire with fire. You look at Pitt like you're laughing with all the shit he's saying is fucking hilarious. But it's like he also is a sadistic fuck who gets off on killing people. <laughs> so like he is yeah. equally as evil. It's just a different right. side of it. But I think that's also why they hired him, you know, like the, the in the story. Um, I think it's somewhere in the script too, because you know he has the uh, the lynching scars on his neck. That so it was something so, like. Oh they, yeah, did what ever was that? Explain what what the scarring on the neck was, because so, I missed it. If they did, I guess they do in the screenplay. I guess the screenplay is like really really detailed with a lot of extra stuff, and it was him. He, he got into like a tussle with the KKK in like in the twenties. And he was able to survive a lynching from them. Oh, okay. Oh, they sh- they should have put that in the movie. That would have made his character even better. Yeah, because that ties into why he has a Jewish squad. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it would it would have tied it, it would have made me have a very different opinion about him. I think it, it, knowing that, I like it, you know that kind of consistency or whatever. It, it kind of just felt to me that he was a lunatic that the U.S. government was taking advantage of, and not to say that he wasn't a lunatic. But if he had that kind of consistency in fighting anybody that like perpetuates hate, you know, yeah. that, that's kind of a continuity that would have built his character a little differently. I think. I don't know. I have a real bone to pick with you, Bill. <laughs> They're not psychopaths. <laughs> yeah, sure. They like killing without remorse. I mean, that's not the sign of a psychopath. That's just a sign of a person good, <laughs> healthy <laughs> on the shoulders. That's that's just the sign of a person has a clear point or a clear vision of what they expect from society and they take out anyone that doesn't fit that vision. And they're not going to tolerate a deviation from it. That's just, yeah. I will have to say that the hill folk up in the Smoky Mountains, they will fucking kill you. So that, at least that much is accurate. (laughs) See? I'm correct. I I, I stand corrected, Tim. I stand corrected. Thank you. (laughs) Well, we're going to start keeping score now. (laughs) <laughs> I got it. I got it right here. I'm gonna write that down. Okay, there we go. Um, I'm I'm putting check marks for all my points next to the other check marks that I have in my wall that don't count anything else. <laughs> Nor the ones on inside of my arms. Okay, so yeah. um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the whole overview of this little thing, though, Pitt uh, Pit tells the bastards that they're gonna secretly land in France several days before D-Day just with the sole purpose of giving the Nazis a taste of their own medicine by murdering, dismembering, and scaring the absolute shit out of every German soldier. And then he wants those scalps. So then he cut to Hitler just going, nine, 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 nine. That's the best way to go to Hitler. That's the best The best best Hitler, the best Hitler ever put onto like a, 
the silver screen, I think. Absolutely. I mean, I love the comparison of just the weasel short Hitler with his like greasy floppy hair and skin next to the propaganda muscular Hitler painting in the background. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then, you know, he's just, he's getting debriefed on the newest ambush by the bastards and the rumor that the bear Jew is a golem, which is also like the most backwoods German fairytale thing said in the entire movie. Also, um, apparently in the, well, in some, one of the holy texts with the, the, the Jews, like golems are a very real thing that apparently they can summon, which was interesting. So it's almost like the thing that they could create. Yeah. To, yeah. There's an X-Files the on that. Yeah. Really? That's right. Back in the day. Yeah. Golem. Huh. <laughs> I don't think he's a real golem. People, people, <laughs> we should really make capes come back as a thing. Because, oh. I mean, I'll tell you what, Hitler looked great in that cape. That was. I'm gonna isolate that to bill and send it to everybody get at work. That, get that cut, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Just go straight to your job. <laughs> so you're gonna try to bring back the mustache, aren't you? <laughs> oh no, 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 no! I can't do mustaches. I Somebody do have to could. say, one of the things that pisses me the mo- pisses me off the most about Hitler is the fact that he destroyed an entire facial hairstyle. Selfish. He took what Charlie Chaplin built and he drove it into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so they call Private Butts into Hitler's office, and he recalls the ambush by the bastards. Um, beautiful peacoat by Brad Pitt in the scene, by the way. I want that. Coat. That was a good peacoat. I, I want that too. Yeah. Agreed. And I also like his hat. Yeah, the hat's good. He's just looking great. Yeah. This is also where you meet the two German-born members of the bastards. The first being the Austrian-born Willem Wilhelm, who uh, serves as a translator. I got the fuck out of Munich when the Geden was good. And then you have old Hugo Stieglitz. With this amazing intro narrated by Samuel L. Jackson, which I remember just caused like a minor riot in the theater when his title card came up. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. The crowd just erupted. It's just so unexpected. It was perfect. Also, best kill of that is where he just literally shoves his fist down a fucking a Gestapo man's throat. Just, yeah, just wake up, wake up, nuts. smacks him in the face. I had no idea you could do that. <laughs> I mean, oh, I want to try. Like, I had such a, I mean, like that, that was grotesque, but I had such a visceral reaction to mm. when he threw the pillow over the guy's yeah. face and just started wailing on him with a knife. Oh man, that was fucking brutal. You don't really see anything, but like they just they just show it like enough that it's oh god, that was rough. The crunch of that knife going into bone was good. Yeah. (laughs) Oh no. Oh, I'm having a visceral reaction to it just here. (laughs) (laughs) Just shit my pants. But like, so they 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 pop up the scene and they're all they're scalping everybody, which is awesome. Um, which you heard every girl in the theater just like, uh, and every guy's like, yeah. So uh, why are they throwing their boots? Why are they taking their boots off? It's disrespectful. Oh. Is it disrespectful? Is that an Irish thing, Max? What I don't... Well, I, I mean, you remember when Bush got a... Got somebody threw a shoe at Bush? Well, they it's, threw a shoe like at the, It's like the lowest denominator of what you could do, though, I guess. is That's like the most disrespectful because it's, everything's hitting the, the dirt. Hmm. They might have also just been taking boots in case they like ran out of boots and they needed to steal somebody else's. That's what I was thinking. It's like a more of a practical thing. Like they're just going to take all the uniforms because they might have to like get the uniform, like use the uniforms at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which is what yeah. I assume that they did for like, you know, the, the end, the, the end scene or whatever, you know, where, where they got the uniforms that fit was just from the people that they killed. So that's, that's what I was kind of assuming with the boots thing. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. At that point in particular, like in that scene, they were trying to scare the shit out of the three people that they still had. So, I mean, 
you, you they don't show it, but if they just like if they're cutting out the scalps and then like you know taking all the clothes off the dead people and like I don't know fucking doing shit, it, it probably just intimidates the people that are still alive all the more. Yeah, yeah. What I would have done if I was Aldo Rain, I would have directed my men to put the scalps and the boots on necklaces and hang them around the prisoners. Mm. Jesus, Tim. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fucking psychopath. Hey, listen, guys. Sorry, Vietnam of you, Tim. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I know t- we've all had this thought, right? But I would have just cut the testicles off, put them in my mouth, and then spit them at right somebody's face. <laughs> Well, whenever New York oh. actually invades Massachusetts, we know who's fucking running the guerrilla war against them. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> All I'm saying is there's a war that, like John said, there's a war that breaks out. I I could probably do a good Aldo Rain impression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just cut off their pissa. <laughs> cut off their pissa. <laughs> An exact quote. <laughs> Talking about wicked pissa. <laughs> Am I right, guys? High five. Yeah, well, speaking of massholes, you're introduced to the Bear Jew after uh, oh the German God. commander refuses to give up the locations of the other Germans in the area. Yeah. So here's, I'm going to say this right now, as far as accents go, this is probably one of the best Boston accents that's ever been done. He's from Boston. Screen. He's yeah. from and Massachusetts, yeah. Eli Roth is yeah. from Boston? Uh, at least Mass. Perfect. Oh, okay. The reason why is because of the fucking. Yeah. <laughs> People don't understand that the F word is an intrinsic, it's an intrinsic part of the Boston accent. You can't really do a Boston accent without the F word. Well, give, give me the perfect fucking. 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 And this fucking guy over here is fucking fit. Fucking. I'm not gonna say well, yeah, don't, don't do that. Well, I was fucking talking to this other fucking guy the other day and he was like, fucking fuck. Fucking is a hedging word in like the Boston vernacular. It's like, it instead of saying, um, you go fucking. Fucking. <laughs> Yeah. I'm a little certain when we saw this together, Max, that you leaned over and were like, hey, John, guess where this guy's from? What are you like? <laughs> <laughs> Every John, fucking John head and actor. hands goes, I don't know, Max. Boston? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Boston. <laughs> you think? Oh, my God. It's like fucking three years of that shit. Guess where this one's from? <laughs> I know. That's <laughs> <laughs> where this guy's fucking from. So, so I, I actually, I find, I find it hilarious, Tim, that you said that because his, his accent irritated the fucking shit out of me. And I was, I was actually just going to say that maybe this was part, like partly intentional because I hated the Southern accent too. And I hated the Boston accent. They mm. both just mm. felt way over the top, way overdone. I, I think, I think the Boston accent was a little over the top. I'm not going to lie to you, but the thing that most people don't get with Boston accents is the fucking. Yeah, yeah I agree. Like, I, I know fu- what you mean. You're right. You're right. So count that up as number two. You can put another check mark down. Congratulations. You're right about a second thing. Check mark. Two. John just put in a comment. Did you see the message from John? Your Canadian accent's bothering me. Oh, Wait, great. what? What Just- was that? Uh, don't don't worry what it's about. It's fine. <laughs> I've only heard you say that like three times now. Me? You're getting a little close to the Canadian accent. I don't know if it's the, if it's the liquid socialism that you're drinking, <laughs> but it's happened. I couldn't hold it in any longer. 
It's it's the proximity of the Canadian border. I don't know if you, Canadians are doing a silent coup up in Maine. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, we we haven't really spread the rumor yet. But what the good thing is that it makes me prepared for international politics, right, Sarah Palin? Thanks, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill, I've said it before. <laughs> where's a goddamn wall? <laughs> I also appreciated the uh, the tie in here. Te- Teddy Ballgame gets a, a reference. I, Teddy I thought fucking that was ball a nice game. touch. Yeah, we're here. Teddy fucking Ballgame. <laughs> Yo! Shoots him in the back. Damn it, Hirschberg. <laughs> that's, that's, so that's another thing, too. So, Hirschberg, you know, he does the shooting thing, which is hilarious. But also, like, when they're just bashing the commander's brains in, Hirschberg is laughing, just going, I'd be fucking shitting my pants if I was you right now. <laughs> <laughs> That was hilarious. <laughs> so that guy, he was also um, the the painter in the background that was doing the Hiller painting. Oh, really? Yeah. Wait, which one? Hirschberg. Hirschberg, really? That's him, huh? Yeah. It yeah, wasn't. Also- it wasn't like subtly supposed to be the same character or anything, right? It was just no. Like used the same. Character no, they just used him ways. as an extra. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, he's out of focus, but they used they just used um, him again. I, I also really, really enjoyed the quick bump of cocaine from Brad Pitt in that scene. Oh, no. So it became a regular not thing cocaine. throughout the movie. It's tobacco. Snuff. Yeah. Oh, I thought he snorted it. Yeah, it's it's yeah, a you, you legitimate thing from way back in the day, and especially Southerners right. were all into it. I don't fucking know shit, apparently, so my my apologies. I'm just going to scratch out half the notes I make later in the movie, too. I learned, actually, I learned this from John. Yeah, so it was, it was yeah, it's basically snooze, snuff, just super finely cut tobacco, and you snort it, so it's almost like inhaling it, and it probably kills you a thousand times faster than cigarettes, but it was a big deal in the South. Um, some people still do it today. Like you'll see like an old lady who's like 85 or 90 and she'll be doing it. It's yeah. the weirdest. I, nobody understands just to that throw it out there. Terrific. If I'm going to be honest and I kind of want to try it. That that's just <laughs> how hard the South goes in for tobacco to this day. I mean, it's just like any way that a Southerner can put nicotine into their body. Like we're going to chew on the leaves. We're going to put this uh, ground up version of it with fiberglass into our lip. We're going to yeah. snort it. We're going to chew on those. cigars. Oh God, yeah, I'd fucking love to chew. Oh, so here's your southern um, your southern lesson for the day. If you're ever down south, you'll actually for some people will be interested. You know what this is, but do you know what a hog's leg is? Yeah, it's the leg of a pig. <laughs> okay, so a hog's leg is... <laughs> moving on. So you'll see these dudes literally take like half a can to a full can of, uh, like, let's just say like Copenhagen or something, and they will literally line their jaw with it. Jesus. Yikes. And that is a hog's leg. So, yeah, bring that up in your next trivia night if you're with a Southerner. They'll respect you a lot more for it. And then probably yeah. ask you if you want to chew. No, nobody respects me, John. That's not going to change anything. I had a football coach when I was in high school offer me a chew during practice, um, and all the, the parents were watching, so he's like, Love Shack. My name was Love Shack in football. Love Shack, come here. <laughs> come here come here and stand in front of me. I'm putting a chew. I was like, all right, coach. I stand in front of me. He puts it in. He goes, you want one? I said, no. He goes, pussy, and just waddles off. <laughs> <laughs> this guy was 400 pounds of just West Virginia cue ball rage. I mean, just. <laughs> Love Shack, though. Yeah. I, I, Max, I would like you to, on the next podcast to int- introduce him as Love John, the lo- or Love Shack John. He did. I did on this episode, Bill. Today? Yes. Yeah. So uh, I stopped listening when you're not talking directly to me. So that's my <laughs> okay, Derek. <laughs> but yeah, Johnny Love Shack. No, they 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 couldn't say my last name to save their lives. So one day, literally, like all the coaches were like, "Hey, uh, John, your name's Love Shack from now on." I was like, "All right, coach, sounds good." 
And I'd be like in the in the sand trap doing something without a shirt on, my belly jiggling around, and like the main coach be like, "Look at the love shack, he's dead sexy." Like, oh my god, dude. football in the south, I love oh. it. There was a kid who got second degree burns on his hands because they were doing push ups on the running track in like hundred degree oh. weather. Oh god. boy, yeah, that's not a good idea. So southern football, yeah, it's a whole other fucking thing. Anyways, moving on. Yeah, and you know, if he ain't burning them, he ain't trying. Which ties right back into this movie, so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Another fun fact here, too. So there was a deleted scene of the Bear Jew, uh, and he was a barber with his dad back in Boston. And he was getting all the signatures for his bat before he left Boston for the war, um, which is apparently was uh, still in uh, when it was premiered at the, uh, the, the, the Canes Film Festival. And then they cut it out after that. Oh, that's a shame. I guess I think it's just because Eli Roth is not an actor and it just wasn't good enough. Yeah. Also, I heard that uh, or I saw that Anne Frank's signature is like, you know, yeah. transposed on the bat too somewhere. So that's the thing. It's like the, everybody in his neighborhood, they um, they wrote down somebody well, like a loved one in Europe who might uh, be in trouble. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. So, OK. Uh, Butts immediately Ooh. gives the bastards the intel that they need. And then is told to spread the word, which obviously pisses off Hitler. And then you find out that they carve swastikas into every lone survivor's forehead as you close out chapter two. All right, moving on. Chapter three, German night. A good encapsulation, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, so then uh, you're reintroduced to Shoshona, changing out the movie titles at the movie theater that she now owns. As you're introduced to really the only decent German in this movie, Private Zoller who tries to make friendly conversation with her, but is just coldly rejected. Yeah, I I think it's interesting. So like the entire film, um, Tarantino makes like this half-hearted effort to almost humanize Nazis. Cause like you always think about them as just like, you know, like just kind of like zombie evil demon yeah. soldiers and Hitler and everything. But like they, they're interested in movies, you know, they like going to cafes like Hitler at one point, like asks a random soldier for a piece of gum. Like it's just really interesting to see, them as like oh yeah they were people very evil people but just people i i thought he did a i thought he was like basically making them look pathetic like Mm -hmm. he kind of was making them look like the kid who was trying too hard in school yeah that's kind of the impression i got like you know he he's awkward he was kind of yeah it's awkward or just like sort of emasculate them at certain points and like i don't know they just kind of make them seem like they're you know the nerd who everyone like made fun of. And that's how World War II started. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's a good point. That's a good point. Hitler got bullied in grade school. Yeah. I I feel like there was only, there was really only one person, one German that they really made feel like a normal person. And I don't think it was this guy. I think it's later in the movie, but like, I I mean, I feel like you get right from the bat. Yeah. Which guy? Did you say who? Yeah. Yeah. The guy, the guy who had the son, uh, who he was the only person of a that was a German that to me felt like a real person who just fucking got enlisted or something, dragged into something he had no business put being a part of or something. You know, like this guy, choice. this guy's a piece of shit right from the beginning. I fucking hate him right from the start. I don't think <laughs> he's like he he didn't come across to me as somebody that you know like it, that was just uh, just a regular guy who happens to be a german no fuck him he that was a power trip all the way the way he was talking to her and try he was still like he was trying to get at her from a certain angle that was kind of 
I don't know, uh, f- not as forceful, but at the end in the, in, in the, the theater that fucking turned, he yeah, has true. that about face, you yeah. know, and that's when you see the real Hammond. And what a fucking lunatic that he is that he's, he's coming to this woman that clearly is, she's French occupied France hates Germans. Like she's not a sympathizer in any way. And he goes on this like tirade of, or not tirade, but like bragging about how he killed 300 people as a German soldier. Oh, that's a good way to get the person that hates Germans. Well, no, like, that was, that was different. That's different though. But she asked, what did you do? But for this, I mean, he's, he's, a, he was a film nerd and he appreciates the movies that she had at the theater. That's why that's, that was like his intro conversation. And she's like, I have to do these movies. He's like, oh, well, you have good taste. I don't know. To Bill's point, because I, I, I agree. I definitely, I wholeheartedly agree with Bill. It's like, he was just assumed that she would, like, immediately fall in love with him. He's got an inflated ego just because of what, the way everyone's treating him, too. Yeah. I mean, he's got the celebrity thing going, which I think is hilarious because, you know, he confidently introduces himself thinking that she'll know who he is. And then she just, like, blankly stares at him. So he has to do, like, a, a fake cough to cover up his embarrassment. So he's more like it's more in your mind. It's more like he's kind of got the the star quarterback ego instead of uh, like a celebrity Nazi kind of thing. Yeah, no, yeah. I think it's more of like a, it seems like at first when he was just trying to talk to her, he's just a, a film nerd who's just trying to relate to this girl because he likes her taste and thinks that she's cute. But he's also got that little extra confidence because he's got literally, as you'll see later on, like commanding officers asking for his autograph. But then, like, he invites her over to, to the lunch thing after 100% striking out. Like, that does not go well. And then he sends two lackeys to, like, go grab her and bring her to lunch. But, like, he acts like he didn't know that they were grabbing her. But what were you even doing inviting her? Like, she wanted no part to uh, part of you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, I don't know. Dung dung. Are <laughs> <laughs> you telling me that you didn't want to go to this lunch? So also it's interesting. So obviously in the next episode, we'll cover the scene where they're in the, the basement bar because they're fighting in mm-hmm. a basement. Um, but <laughs> the movie that Fassbender says that he was in to try to convince everybody that he truly is German is the movie that was on the big board right there. Hmm. Oh, what? so that was that was something I was wondering. They made a really good point of like showing that and I meant to go back and look and I forgot. But I was wondering if there was anything specific about the movie that was showing at the theater before she took it down. And yeah. That, that's okay. Yeah. So that's it. Which is interesting because when I first saw the scene where he's like, "Oh, well, I was in this movie," I figured like, "Oh, it's some movie that came out, you know, five years ago or something like that that nobody would remember." So therefore, the guy would be tricked. But this is a movie that's being shown like right now, so it's even more of a ballsy move for him later. But I'll write that down for the next episode. We'll talk about it. Wow, um, I love it. No, that's you great. guys watch movies with so much more of a detail than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's like, when is Mel Gibson going to show up? This is about Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) Well, John, I I would say, though, that that's probably it's probably both both things are true. She's showing German movies because they're occupied. But he makes a point of saying that he hasn't really seen the German like scene for three or four years or something because he's been in the military. So that probably is kind of an old movie at that point. Oh, okay, okay. She was doing all the movies. She's only showing movies, I think, that were pre-Goebbels. That's oh, a little, like, okay. fuck you to the Nazis. It's like, yeah, I'll show you your classic German cinema, but this is, bef- this is before the, um, you know, the Nazis took over and Goebbels started making his own movies. I can't wait to talk about Goebbels and his sex scene. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. That's the emasculating. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was just, uh, just really quickly too. Uh, everyone talks about how amazing Christoph Waltz is, you know, that he's trilingual. Daniel Barul is fluent in English, German, French, Spanish, and Portuguese. Wait, what character do you see? Does he play? Zoller. Oh, really? That actor is fluent in five different languages. Jesus. And he's done movies. Xander Bogarts is fluent in like seven. <laughs> I think Xander Bogarts is fluent in English, Dutch, and Spanish. I think that's it. I think he knows seven languages. That's what I've heard. Mm. Okay. Well, moving on. But anyways. So, yeah. You yeah. cut the Zola running into Shoshana at the cafe, and then she tells him to fuck off. But before he leaves, like I mentioned, you know, the superior officer comes in. Another officer comes in. A Vici girl comes in. They all start fanboying over him. And then you find out that he's going to be starring in the movie Nation's Pride, which is based off of him single-handedly killing about 300 Allied soldiers over a three-day period. So that movie, the movie within a movie, was actually directed by Eli mm-hmm. Roth. Yeah. Tarantino's one of the uh, soldiers that gets shot in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I was trying to figure out where he popped into the movie since he always does. He pops in there and it's also his hands that's uh, later on uh, strangling. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does hands and feet. But, um, so later on, Shoshana, she's forced forced by the SS guy, who you'll see again at the card game, uh, to meet Zoller and, and Goebbels over lunch and then you know, Zoller convinces Goebbels to host German night at her theater. So they introduce the uh, the interpreter, which then <laughs> switches to the interpreter just getting plowed by this disabled German yeah. man. Yeah. Squealing like a pig. Yeah. 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 <laughs> See that, but that's, that. to my point, like earlier, that's like Quentin Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino making Nazis look pathetic. Yeah, like he that was the most, that's like the most pathetic thing ever. Also, if you look at the translator, she is clearly not enjoying any of it. No, that that's the reason. It's <laughs> like he's like having this over the top like this you know amazing. fucking yeah vinegar stroke face, <laughs> and she's just like couldn't. She's checking her watch. She couldn't fucking care less, right? Apparently, Goebbels, Goebbels had um, some kind of... He was deformed in some way, which is interesting because anybody else who wasn't at his level would have been killed. Dude, um, they're all fucking hypocrites. Hitler was homeless, and he got support from the state, and he like lived in homeless shelters. And then you fast forward to the Germans, and they killed anybody who wasn't like a fully functioning person in Germany. It's like you would have been killed under your own rule. Yeah, He was a fucking peddler. He used oh. to sell paintings to people in the street. I, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that Hitler also didn't quite aspire to the uh, to the Aryan race no, picturesque, you know. That too. Uh, yeah, none of them did. Uh, so, all right. So, getting back to the movie on there, yes. the this the the scene where I, I don't know the the actress's name, um, that but that plays the uh, what we well, what is the character the character's name? What's that? Shoshana. Sure. Yeah. The the Emmanuel one the one that owns the movie theater. Yes. Um, yeah. When she is having that conversation, like just her and and uh, the 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 Nazi guy over the strudel, she plays that scene so well. Like it is, she really she does. crushes. You know, conveying that she's like dying inside while trying mm-hmm. to put on a face. You know what I mean? Like I I I was that that scene was so intense and so well done. That was that was pro- that was maybe my favorite scene of the movie. She had an indignant attitude, like I, I I'm being polite in the fi- like, but I don't really want to be here, and I'm gonna kind of let you sh- let you know it. But and then at the end of the scene, when she lets out that deep breath, you just know she was like utterly terrified the entire time. And well, and there were like, like there were crying. points where you know 
when you they made a point of showing that he wasn't looking at her, like because he was putting sugar in his his, co- his tea or coffee or whatever, or putting cream on the on the strudel or something. Like when they made a point of showing points where his eyes weren't at her, and you could see almost like panic, panic. on her face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, that was so awesome the way that she did that. But also her faces in the like the scene right before that with Goebbels are, are hilarious. When Goebbels is just like giggling. In like you know, like just towel whipping Zoller, and she's just kind of like has a okay, <laughs> like what the yeah, fuck is yeah. happening look on her face. But yeah, so I mean, you know, obviously you know, Londa comes in, he does the interview thing. Um, this is by this point too. So this is Waltz. He's now two for two for just stealing scenes in this movie. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I just love how conversational and polite he is when he, which makes it so much worse. Like he's textbook example of how you should present yourself in a formal conversational you know, setting in public, granted what the conversation's about. But, you know, he's got the perfect posture. He reacts politely, uh, says pity when she you know, says that her father was killed in a battle. He acts kind of like a high school gossip girl when he asks about the black guy that works for her. You know, he has all the right pitches and tone in all the right places and then smiles, just kind of allowing her to speak more candidly. Like, the whole thing. So the real question is, is do we think that we know whether or not he knows oh, who yeah. she is. I was going to ask like, that Especially question. at the very end where it's like, well, it's like, oh, and he's like, I had something else to ask you, but uh, for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. Like while he's staring at her with the dark face. Well, that's not even to mention that. I mean, he orders the milk and then he lights up a cigarette. Like that's he doesn't exactly, ah, he does yeah, the yeah, same yeah. exact yeah. thing. It's like, that's like his little routine right. that he has. So he's like routine or does he just know right off the bat that it's her? I I wouldn't have picked up I didn't pick up on that like first time I watched no. it but I think well, having watched it like a few times since since then I think yeah like I think that was part of it. Well, and into the you know he makes such a keen point of asking how she came into like the owning the theater and she her story is that her aunt and uncle died and like he never asks how she came to be with her aunt and uncle you know like what happened you know you like there I I guess I hadn't thought of that either but I I definitely think that that adds up that he's just fucking with her and he knows he, and ex- especially him like he's so thorough like he already audited who owned all the paperwork from that theater before she did and i'm sure that he looked into all their history and their family trees and all that shit too right right you know so i think it's just him kind of just playing his own game he's like the allies have already breached yeah. normandy he sees a writing on the wall he's like let's just play this out because either uh, way i'm so not going down actually he started his conspiracy way early. Okay. okay. That, that's what I think. I think that he's just like, I'm yeah. not going to fall with any, like either side, I'm going to win. So let's just see what happens here. But if that, you know, while at the same time, let me have some fun with this too. And then also him just showing his true colors. Like, you know, like you said, John, with this, the shadows coming back on his face and then him burning out the cigarette and the strudel. It's like a little, you know, yeah. all playing proper and then fuck you. And then just walks away and leaves. I uh, have you. I've never had German cigarettes. Um, have you had German cigarettes? Because he makes a big deal about that. Oh, these are German. No, I tried to buy some that were East German. I asked a guy over there, and the guy was like, "Oh my god, I used to love those." And then he he called another guy over. It was a, it was a convenience shop that was also a music shop in Berlin. <laughs> He's like, "Do you remember <laughs> these cigarettes?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah this is unbelievable." But like, do you guys have them? No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> No, I only cigarettes I smoked over there were, were from Irishmen. <laughs> what? <laughs> you just you just seeked out the Irish? 
No, they seeked us out. I went over to find cig- I went over to try to buy German cigarettes, and I came back, and Nikki was surrounded by a bunch of like twenty-two-year-old Irish boys <laughs> who we talked to for like hours. <laughs> so she definitely draws a type, doesn't she, Max? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, little do they know that she could have killed every single one of them. <laughs> Well, came over. I'm like, ah, fuck. Here's a bunch of bros. And then, like, hey, I made some Irish friends. And they're like, oh, like, oh, hey, how are you? It's like, he's my husband's originally from outside of Boston. Oh, you're from fucking Boston? Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) You're more Irish than we are. (laughs) (laughs) How do you think Uh, of, what do you fucking think of Trump, huh? It's like, wow. Immediately getting into that, huh, guys? All right. Yeah, yeah. Like so it's funny. My wife has a term for uh, like for like a big pack of bros. She calls them a case of bros. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if she was going to be entangled with a case of bros, I was happy that they were Irish because they are the nicest humans yeah. on the planet. No, they're, they're wonderful people. They're awesome. wonderful people. All right. Well, chapter three wraps up with Shoshana's grand plan, which is to burn down her theater to the ground with every Nazi still inside. And with that, we'll pick up next week. Final two chapters of a glorious bastards. Woo! Yeah. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, it was good. I don't think we said anything too offensive. Yeah, there are a couple of things maybe Max could cut out yeah, of there sure. that I said. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely on high alert after the last episode. Yeah. So <laughs> Max knows what they are, <laughs> or just our entire, uh, which will not be in the episode probably, our Austria-Hungary-Prussia debate that we had. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that in. Paco might learn something. <laughs> he doesn't no, who am I kidding? He's not going to listen to this. He's not in it. <laughs> I was going to say, he's not going to listen. All right. Well, yeah. If you guys like the show, rate and review. Uh, you can also follow us on uh, Twitter at uh, HM Popcorn Pod on Twitter. We've got a nice little poll going right now. Who would win in a death fight? John McClane or uh, Riggs? Tim, right now Riggs is winning. Mart- oh, you mean Martin, Martin Riggs? Riggs? Thank you. Yeah, as well he should be. Riggs was played by, uh, um, what's his face? Wasn't he Gibson? Yes. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) I'm baiting him. Just let it happen. (laughs) I'm not taking the bait. I'm I'm meditating right now. I'm meditating right now. (laughs) Tim's trying to get to his his zen zone. Danny Glover. I'm getting too old for this shit. Oh, Martin Riggs. Best character ever. Oh. Woo saw, motherfucker. Yep. Well, that's it, guys. Bye. All right. Well, see you, fuckers. Later.